Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Here we go. Another Whenever you start the episode smiling like that, I always think you're about to say something that's going to put me on the spot. <laughs> and like one of our most watched YouTube videos is you saying to me, Y-E-S spells yes. What does E-Y-E-S spell? And me going, A's? A-S? That's true. A-Y-E-S? A-Y-E-S. Um, well, I did have a question for you, actually. Oh, God. Would you rather eat a baby goat or a matter baby can you what is a matter baby nothing's the matter what's wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) i i just fully walked into that didn't i i even thought carefully about what to how to phrase the question yeah, I could tell. It was a very, like... Because I was going to ask, like, could you define matter baby? I was like, that would have, I would have been scuppered if you said that. What is a matter baby? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I've had that in my tick-tick for weeks. That was brilliant, man. That fully, because that's like the... It's like the, the, the faking the, the slap when really you're going for the, the stomach punch. It's like, because I was, I was thinking, like, am I going to be made a fool of here by this just being a difficult question? And in doing so, walked into the brick wall with my nose. Very good. I'm most impressed by, and if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard Johnny hit Alex with about 10 riddles in a row, and Alex just like, just knocks them all out of the park. How did you do on the riddles? Terribly. Yeah. Like I got some of them, but. So over over the festive period, I asked quite a few people the same riddles. And what I realized was, I think it's to do with the way that we and most of our friends think. Seriously. I've given an instruction here. What is the... Yeah. So like, so I imagine most of your friends have a science or mathematical background. Yeah. Is that fair? Like you either kind of met them on your degree at work or like back from days working in finance most of my friends work in finance. So like the way that people think, I think is quite linearly like problem, possible solution, possible solution, adapt second, third solution. Whereas Alex just goes like step to the right there. (laughs) It's just obvious to him, but I can't like, even when I know that I can't replicate the way that he processes it. It's, I think it's like a muscle. I read a book a while ago about the eight forms of intelligence, which was really interesting. It like, I can't remember all of them, but it's like spatial, interpersonal, mathematical, musical, um, abstract, artistic, um, verbal. So like all of those are kind of different areas and 
yeah, you you just you just become dominant in one of those thinking styles. Very it does cool. make you think. Like if if we if you and I thought differently, because I think we think in a similar ish way. If we thought differently and could just go back to the beginning of propane, what would the result have been? What would have happened? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very. I think it's a good framework to have of like, ah, oh, where am I most deficient, and what can I, what can I improve on to solve a problem in a different way? And it also explains why we all know someone who, on paper, you know, seems like a really like would be a really high, really high IQ smart person, but you meet them in real life and they're just an absolute like incompetent dork because they've they've excelled in one of the branches of intelligence and just nothing in the others. Yeah, there's all yeah. I, I as well, I feel like there's people who I knew at school who were like super super like book clever, and you would think are like senior neural consultants or whatever and actually they're like some of them are just unemployed and have been for ages and there's always like a disconnect i always wonder like is that like a interfacing with the world problem or is it a choice thing i think it's well it's got to be a mixture of that plus volition and all of that but Mm. you know you, you you get the opposite don't you you get like people who are substanceless chances but they're really good at talking the talk and they they get further in life because they can kind of connect with people and you know duck and dive du- yeah exactly probably <laughs> like del boy type people yeah who just like managed to catch all the 10 balls that were thrown at them and make it under the tunnel and and suddenly they're, they're, they've won the race and they don't know why yeah you ask people- the basic math question oh i don't know mate it's not not my kind of thing like so yeah, I guess we're we're very adaptable. Oh, there we go. Cool. Any more would you rather's? Or is that it? <laughs> that was it. Just I'm glad I can take that off my list now. Let me get your riddle. Oh god. For anyone who's been listening to me ask Alec Alec Alex Riddles, um they'll know that how amazed I am every time I ask him. And he just gets it within seconds. Uh I don't even understand the the phrase of that question, the the way it's written. Some of these, I, I'm sorry for the pause. I just I read them and I think the sounds are right, and then look at the answer. And I just think if someone asked me that question, I'd be like annoyed at the answer, not impressed. <laughs> what English word retains the same pronunciation even after you take away four of its five letters? It's just watching for for those listening, I just watch Yusuf go into think mode. <laughs> Eyes to ceiling. Accessing all of brain. <laughs> I I wanna say it's a word like eyes or ice or something like that. You're on the right lines. Unless it's like a unless it's the word same. Sames or something. No, no, it's not, no. So it's um, the word it's the word Q. Q. So you are on the right lines. Damn. Um I'm no Alex, though. What is it that, given one, you'll have either two or none? Okay, duck and dive. (laughs) (laughs) What is it that, given one, you'll have either two or none? A chance. A choice? 
That is amazing. Well done. Fantastic. <laughs> so. I am four, last one. I am four times as old as my daughter. This is more your sort of thing. It's proper maths nerd question. I'm four times, I'm four times as old as my daughter in 20 years time. I shall be twice as, as old as her. How old are we now? Ah, oh, okay. So. In, in four years time, did you say? I am four times as old as my daughter yep. now. In 20 years time, 20 years. I shall be twice as old as her. How old am I now? 40, daughter's 10. Yeah. How did you do that so quickly? T to be honest, the, when you were first reading out the question, I picked those as like example figures in my head to try and like amend. Does it work with all of them? No. No, can't do. Very impressive. But <laughs> so, speaking of which, today we were going to talk about the mindset <laughs> of money. <laughs> yeah, leading on seamlessly. Seamlessly. Um, just because this is something that I think we see recurring quite a lot, and it's, it's kind of a mental hurdle that people m moving into online fitness businesses struggle with. Mm. Um, which is partly imposter syndrome and it's partly kind of more of a practical thing of not understanding how to value your time and how to price it out. So, but look, I think more, more generally as well, just, I think you don't necessarily realize as a salaried employee. So I, I realize that not many people, not, not necessarily everyone will be a salaried employee, but like if you just get given the same paycheck every month and that's your, your experience of money, you don't have like a, a world in which you'd ever deal with 10 grand or five, spending five grand on something seems like extreme. Um, and it generates all this like emotional reaction in you when you're thinking of bigger, bigger numbers. Um, usually the bigger the number, the bigger the emotional reaction and the bigger the emotional reaction, the less rational you become, even though like investing 10 grand, expecting to get 20 back is a completely logical decision. The emotion of giving away the 10 is like, oh, and sometimes people like don't do things at all because of the emotional attachment that comes with the size of the number. And this is something that like, especially, are you happy to talk about the trading? situation yeah. so like i've i've witnessed yusuf go through like a a crash course like a weekend crash course in man in dealing with emotional reactions to money in just trading money on uh contract for difference yeah so, um so yeah that's a it's a good starting point i suppose for sure i, I mean and, and trading actually i think is something everyone should try just because it really accelerates. It is the crash course. It forces you to come right up to terms with the most pure, abstracted version of this emotion that Johnny's talking about, of loss aversion and seeking gain. Um, and it's, it's whittled down into the, just a, a little number moving on a screen, like a, a, blue, a, a green or a red candlestick moving up and down on a screen. But that represents so much emotion at the time. And 
we are very prone as humans to want to cut our winners short and to let our losers run, which is obviously the opposite of what you need to be a profitable trader. And that's why psychopaths do very well as traders, because they don't have that same sense of uh, of like of loss aversion. They just just completely operate based on what they're seeing. And there's an argument that um, neurosurgeons, the best performing neurosurgeons, have psychopathic traits as well, because similarly, they're sat with a scalpel operating on a spinal cord. And if they start thinking about like, oh, this is a this is a person with with fears and aspirations and goals, and they've got children, and the and then they're holding the scalpel to their spinal cord, it make it really increases the pressure. Whereas if they're just thinking, okay, S one nerve root, um, artery vein, <laughs> nerve block, whatever, like form action, then they're just doing what they're doing. So emotions do really impact how we make any decision. I think that can't be understated. Um, the other aspect of it is that we need to look at what what money is. And really, money is just a symbol. It's money itself is worthless, you know, like apart from the the paper that it's that it's printed on. Um, it's just a proxy for some kind of underlying value. And why was money even invented in the first place? It was just to make bartering less of a ball ache. Because if you want to get some bread, and you've got sheep, and you want you know you only want a little bit of bread, you don't want a whole sheep's worth. And then you go to the baker and you say, I'll give you a bit of my sheep. And he goes, oh, I don't really want a sheep. I want um, a watermelon. And you go, well, I haven't got a watermelon. So you go and find the guy with the watermelon. You go say, right, can I have 10 of your watermelons? I'll give you my sheep. You take one of them, exchange it for a baguette. It's too much of a, a pain. So they were like, right, let's just create something that represents a certain number of loaves of bread. So the money in itself is not even... A thing it's just a symbol for value and the easiest way to to get more of it is to exchange your time for some of that money so you give up a certain number of hours of your day to either do some labor to provide a service to or you go and forage something and sell it on so you have a commodity that you then exchange for the money so really this is all just numbers representing some way to kind of capture time or service or commodity into something that you can hold in your pocket, which is pretty mind-blowing in itself. That was a great explanation. Because <laughs> it's quite complicated, really, isn't it, when you think about it? Like this thing that underpins the economy, and you've just explained it in a couple of minutes. So that, that uh, thing you were referring to, like why money is created, do people want to learn more about that? Because I find, I don't know why, I find it really interesting how like money hasn't always existed, but it's always been fine. Um, <laughs> so it's called the the double coincidence or the coincidence of wants. So like in a barter economy, if Yusuf wants, what was the example you gave? Sheep and bread. Sheep, bread, watermelon. Like what happens if we both want bread? Oh, then like, well, like what happens if, you know, you only have sheep to sell at a certain time of the year and I have to wait for my bread to be ready. And like, I, so I can't get the sheep and I miss the sheep. Like there's no common unit of exchange. And when you think of it, as you just explained it, it's crazy that like, cause if you think about asking someone for, or think about pricing your service. So assuming you're a coach, 
think about your service being £10 a month. And you're probably like, okay. And then think of it being £100 a month. And that's like, some a lot of people are like just okay with that. Think of it being £1,000 a month. And at that point, most people are like, no, that's ridiculous. And that's not, we're not getting into like the, you should charge what you're worth and price your services highly. It's more that like thinking about that. So like think about asking someone for that amount of money generates a reaction. And when you hold it in the context that you just explained it, think, well, it creates an emotional reaction. How weird, <laughs> how weird that that happens. And yeah, a lot of the time people aren't even conscious of what they're spending on something. So I, I met a patient recently who was spending £600 a month on cigarettes. So I don't think he, you know, when I asked him, do you smoke? He didn't say, oh, I spend £600. He, he said, I smoke, like, I can't remember what the number was, something like 80 a day. And I remember, like, working it out in my head and being like, oh, it's this much. Then you're thinking, like, if you asked someone fresh, what, what do they call it? Like, in the brightness of dawn or... Can <laughs> <laughs> you say... Can I have 600 pounds, please? Because you can then that's your cigarettes for the month, or you sign them up to a subscription service. They would be like, absolutely not. What, 600 pounds to like damage my health over time? But yet, at each increment, it turns out in the same with the same outcome. So, I think we've spoken about like how if you aggregate anything over a year in spend, it seems crazy like two grand a year on milk or like. (laughs) Whatever, like two and a half grand a year on cereal. Yeah, like if someone on January the 1st was like, right, well, this is your chance to get all your bread for the year. So that's four grand, please. You'd be like, whoa, come on, mate. Like, give it a rest. Like, <laughs> whereas if that happens weekly, it just like nudges its way out of your bank account. You're like, very reasonable. Of course, bread's that much. But it's just, it's the same thing framed slightly differently. And again, emotional reaction, irrational decision. Suddenly you've got no bread for the year. And then what, to, this is sales, isn't it? If someone said, like, how would you like to not have to worry about buying bread? For you? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, what would you pay to get out of the pain of having no bread for a year? Uh, five grand. <laughs> <laughs> As if it's five grand. No, no, I, I, I don't know. But it's, isn't it weird that neither of us have any idea? Well, yeah, and, until you start and you're like, oh, I'm going to 500 mm-hmm. <laughs> Or like petrol, for example, that's a big one. Oh, petrol is I think spe- spe- Especially if like people are commuting, I know they're maybe not at the moment, at the start of 2021, but like if you're commuting every week and every week you fill up your car and it's like 40, 50 quid to fill up your car and that's, a, and it's like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a like slap at the time. It's like, oh, but it's all right. But no one thinks about what's the, mi- what's the like rate per mile. Yeah. My, my brother did a shift on Amazon delivery recently. Right. And he said he made £43 for the day. And then I was like, but well, how much did he spend on petrol? And he was like, um, well, I filled up, I had to fill up a whole tank, so it was £45. I was like, right, so you made a £2 loss on your shift. And he's like, oh, right, fine, I'm not doing that again. Um, he also did a security guard shift and called me and was like, Yusuf, I made 50 quid on my on my shift because this was like between the lockdowns. And he was like, when they had restriction on the number of people that could go into a, an event. Oh, yeah. And uh, someone was like, oh, can, can you let me in? And and I was like, oh, no, you can't come in because um, we're at capacity. And then I was like, oh, actually, you know what, mate? Just slip me a tenner and I'll let you in the back. This is my brother telling me this. And he was like, and then I did that five times and I made 50 quid. But then I think they caught me on the body cam 
and so I think I'm not going to get paid for that shift. <laughs> <laughs> That's two great little like money case studies. Terrible case studies of poor decision making. <laughs> Straight from my brother. Like the whole the whole thing he's netted fifty quid from two escapades in <laughs> trying to rig the system. But yeah, so where were we? Bread, bananas, cows and watermelons. So we've gone into the like the ontology of money. Um, <laughs> and I think you know, I, I I do think it's worth going through some of these frameworks because it does shake up the way that we see this. And it's not just like, oh, that's a lot of money and that's just an emotion. And I've done, you know, like at the end of the day, if money is a proxy for time, then I personally see time and money as really interchangeable. Um, I would happily pay money to in exchange for time and vice versa. Um, yeah. You know, and I think to do that, you have to be aware roughly of what your hourly rate is, or at least your hourly rate for doing different tasks. Because, you know, I I was on a night shift, uh, well, just before last night, and two in the morning, I was fecally disimpacting someone manually. So I was scooping poo out of someone's bum. Um, and I'm standing there thinking, like, I'm doing this for an effective rate of £8 an hour or something. Like, this is not a good use of my time. But here I am roped into a a job contract for two years as a doctor. So this is part and parcel of it. You have a really interesting contrast because of your like effectively hourly rate as soon as you leave the hospital <laughs> versus, versus when you're in the hospital. And like also the, so I suppose the, 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 the propane equivalent of fecally disimpacting someone is like making something that will exist forever. Like well, that, that, that. That's the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, I guess and you could you do that with your time in propane, like make a video, make a resource, oh, upload something yeah, to a program, help a client. I, yeah, in the time that I spent doing that, like you could have made an evergreen product. So, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it's why like you can't just have money and time as the two currencies because there's also satisfaction and there's freedom of location. And if we don't account for that, pe- you, it looks like people do things irrationally. So Ali Abdul guy who we interviewed recently on the podcast recently hit a million last year in personal income from his various uh, products and so he was making while he was towards the end of his f2 year as a, as a doctor um he was making 160 grand a month now i would find it very hard to justify not not from being a doctor not from i think being it's a doctor, important sorry, to clarify so that, yeah that was from from his other stuff so I would find it very hard to turn up for work making seventeen, eighteen hundred pound a month to do that and taking up a lot of your hours only to be making 160 grand, like not, I mean, not passively, but effectively like, mm. you're not there while it's coming in. So it's interesting that like, so we don't, we don't make a hundred and was it 16, 160 grand a month? Right. So we don't make 160 grand a month, but like we're a few orders of magnitude lower than that, but the difference is still fairly major. And yet you still go to work. (laughs) But I think that's because if you don't, at least as far as I understand it, if you don't, you like lose, it's like getting the final rung of the top of a ladder that's taken you seven years to climb. And someone says like, well, you can get off here, 
but you've got to start at the bottom again. So like you're so close. And I imagine he's probably in the same. It's this weird like where, where it's almost like money's not part of the decision, but it's the loss of like six years of your life that you're dealing with. I think so. And, and also, yeah, like to, to climb from the bottom of the ladder again, that's you probably have to start at least a year back or two years back. So then you've just cost yourself a couple of years in the future at some unspecified date. So, But it, without going too much into the details of what propane generates and what you earn personally, the business generates more per month than you earn as a doctor in a year. Yeah. Which is like a really clear case study of just what we're talking about here like relative values and, and like how you perceive money and so like you're you have this very like day daily contrast of like this thing generates this much and this thing generates this much and it takes you different amounts of time and as you say like there's other things that are involved in you have to be at a certain place you gotta have your finger up someone's bum pick, pick hand out. Times. whole hand so the, but the, oh this is a good point like the we are not special like this can be Speak done for yourself. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> for people to to make more money than their day job in an online business like it's very possible like the the, the market in online businesses is nowhere near saturated yet so you can do it the reason a lot of people don't do it is because it's quite stressful to do yeah. it's not it doesn't provide you with the same level of like you get to turn up in the office like semi awake you get the security of a monthly paycheck you know you can kind of coast for a bit there's none of that like because what you do is directly proportional to the return that you get on your time yeah and as a result the market rewards you for taking that risk so Sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize you were finished. Well, no, that <laughs> I thought you were just pausing. It's yeah. It so, but both of us. I mean, Yusuf still still has this, but like, I left a salary, like a fixed every month. This much it goes in your bank account. This much goes in your pension. We'll sort all the tax for you. You just go there, do these things for this many hours, and in exchange, we'll give you this money. And like, you can see a path into the future of, well, if I do this many years, then the amount that comes into my bank will go up by this much and then I'll go by this much. And there's not really any like undulation in that. And so you get this very sort of like safe relationship with your income. And you're like, all right, my income is this. And if I, I know if I spend this much a month then this happens. And then like you start being in control of that and you realize that actually like you can have months where, or years where suddenly the amount of money that you generate is, is twice as much. I've spoken about this quite a lot, how like people will think when I earn this, then I will feel this way. Or when my salary or my income is this, then this will happen. And it just never does. It's just like this number on a screen, usually. Like you very rarely do it. Like we don't sit and count out the propane's annual revenue in, in notes. So it's it's all just, you, you, I suppose as a business owner, you get lots of these examples of like why it's so important that you change how you see money because if you're not careful it can derail you like if you have a good day or a good week and you're like oh i'll just spend it all and vice versa like you'll have days or weeks where you make nothing or you have to spend a lot of money on something 
or something goes wrong and it costs you a ton of money or you have to invest in part of the business and you just make bad decisions if you think of money in the way that I think a lot of us grow up doing. Um, it's You're kind of forced to think of it differently, I think. Yeah, a lot of people are, well, we, we're all um, conditioned to think that money is the secret source to happiness and that you hit a certain number, either like total capital or monthly income, and then that's it, you, you're happy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And quite often, the the journey to get to that point requires uh, taking on a lot of stresses. And then, if you're running a ten million pound business per year, you're probably living quite a stressful life. Like you might not, you might have really smashed it and found a way to hack the system, but most likely that it comes with a lot of ball ache as well. And so, it's about finding a balance where you can cover your costs you can live comfortably without having to kind of restrict yourself and then have more time to spend with your family and have some satisfaction for what you're doing i heard someone talk the other day about three levels of wealth one is where you can um in fact i don't want to butcher this (laughs) let me get this right um uh isn't that working i've got it no it's crashed my macbook m1 wow that's terrible yeah zoom's still working yeah okay that's because that's the that's the m1 chip just still spinning the plate yeah while while this plate's stalled (laughs) found it so level one is that you can successfully feed your family you're not worried about making the rent and having the essentials. Level two of wealth is that you can go into a restaurant and order whatever you want without looking at the price. Level three is when you can travel and buy flights without worrying about the cost. Very practical kind of understated way of looking at three levels of wealth because beyond that, like... There's a level four, which is where you just own the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. (laughs) Like, but yes, I I see. I see your point. Like, it's a. I suppose the difference between level three and level four is probably not as big as people think. But to go from level three to level four in terms of inputs is probably quite high. Yeah. Like, you've got to be a really. You've got to have such a large penis to, to get to level four. So we quite a lot. Yeah. There's a there's a a few people that we like learn from and have kind of have been in part like mentored by in different parts of of the business and it's always um it always blows my mind when I hear people who are like ten times the size of what we do talking about numbers. So I still have the same like there's still the same gap exists. Doesn't matter what the numbers are. If the numbers are bigger than what you're used to dealing with, it's like, whoa, that's massive. Like how many zeros are on that? Like, so ad spend is the biggest one for me when people talk about how much money they spend on ads every month. Um, and there's an example of a company that we've bought some training from in the past that see a hundred grand a month on ads as like just ticking over, just maintaining. And they, I heard them talk about, they thought getting from 500 grand a month in revenue to 800 grand a month in revenue would require more work and be harder 
when actually it was it was easier when they got to 800 grand a month so there's all these like weird things <laughs> like yeah like non-linear systems that play where you just become numb to a hundred thousand pounds a month leaving your bank account and when you look at like huge huge businesses um it's like in the uk in the FTSE 100 companies or you know companies we've all heard of like amazon and mcdonald's and if you were to look at their like monthly fixed outgoings it would it's numbers that you can't comprehend as a cute consumer all right as someone who doesn't doesn't run a business because the numbers are like mind-boggling so you can't if like jeff bezos is start thinking god all that i haven't got i haven't got 20 billion like what am i going to do well he probably does but you know like it's people got 192 billion is that his net worth apparently uh according to something i read yesterday he probably accumulates wealth faster than he'd ever be able to spend it doesn't he he's probably probably 193 since that article was published (laughs) at least especially at the moment but like he i suppose he is spending he's he's not worrying about spending 100 grand or even spending a million because he can't and if he did he wouldn't be able to run amazon and amazon wouldn't be where it is now so i suppose like it's that scaled down isn't it so it's down to the first 100 pounds you spend on ads or the first coach you hire or the first like first time we had the website redesigned and it cost us like what was it four grand or something (laughs) yeah even now like it it creates like a, a visceral response um, mainly because it wasn't worth it, but like at the time, it felt like it was. Um, the first coach we hired, I think, was six grand. Yeah, five, six grand. I remember being in Tesco, telling my girlfriend that we'd spent six grand on that, and her just not really understanding. <laughs> but you, you've always been very like every time we've invested like big numbers in things. I feel like you, in my mind anyway, just go, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it reminds me of um, a book I read about a trader who, I think he was working for Royal Bank of Scotland, and he said that his mate, like just his workmate who was running a, a separate fund on that desk, um, would his trading style was just using really large position sizes. So every tick on the graph, which is like, you know, when you're watching a chart and it just goes beep, 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 every couple of seconds and like there's a little movement of the price, like the smallest increment that it could move. Every one of them was 140 grand swing in his account. And he said, like, I couldn't look at my mate's screen because it would make me feel sick. <laughs> like, to the level where like, if you go to the toilet and come back, like you could have moved a couple of million millions so why did he do that just because he's a hard man yeah just a real hard man <laughs> essentially um it's all just like how because the person who wins is just able to make emotionless decisions in spite of like it, it doesn't matter how big the number is if you can just still make the right decision you'll win whether that and it's it doesn't matter the number doesn't have to be big it, compared to the rest of the world just big for you and, yeah. and try and remove the, like, God, from the decision and think, like, is this, do I stand to make a return on spending this money? Is this a good use of time? Am I saving a lot of time? Do I stand to make more money in the future? Et cetera, et cetera. I think being able to take a pay cut 
for a lifestyle improvement is something that a lot of people would struggle with from an ego perspective. So we, we've worked with people who are making decent amounts of money running a gym, like they're doing really well numbers wise, but it's, it's taken their life and they want to move into online coaching. And actually a couple of them have been able to do that and sell up their gym. Yeah. And it's interesting that that's the case that like they, they've hit their numbers target and realized that actually it was only one part of the puzzle. And really once they're covering their basic expenses, additional money over that is only coming with additional ball ache too. Yeah. Uh, like the target we always encourage people to shoot for is like not the six figure fit pro 10 grand a month, whatever. Um, precisely because of this stuff, right? It means nothing. So if you're doing 10 grand a month, but you're spending 40 hours a month on calls, which like you might go like, Oh, but that like, I mean, realistically at minimum, minimum 40 hours, like probably more like 40 hours a week at, at a point, um, on calls is, is your life something that you're enjoying or not? Like if you're getting told no, 15 out of every 16 calls. I don't know why I picked that number. 19 out of every 20 calls or nine out of every 10. Like you're closing realistically because of the nature of the product, a very low amount. If you're coaching everyone one-to-one over WhatsApp or something similar, spending a lot of time, like spending an entire day on a weekend, like writing programs, but the bank account says a high number, like it's, it still doesn't actually translate into enjoying what you're doing. Um, but if you take a busy offline trainer and just match the income, using something that doesn't take 40 hours a week on the phone, match the income using an online process. Like the shift in quality of life is, is hard to quantify because suddenly like even just no commute, even just, Not I don't to, have to work Saturdays. 5am and, and, and clean the gym and like yeah. disinfect the equipment and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So the, I saw someone write this the other day, it's the five stages of financial independence. Um, pretty nicely put out pretty nicely summarized so step one get paid for your time step two invest that into a business step three scale that business step four sell or outsource the business step five invest in generational assets then you're free but i think a lot of people get stuck in one of those steps free to do what though as well well that's it um i think if you define freedom as like you go to bed whenever you want and you're able to like travel where you want and not have to like, like I think someone said you, if you can not have to set an alarm, then you're wealthy. feels like quite a low bar that. <laughs> I mean, I suppose <laughs> you could sure. So, I mean, homeless people don't have to set an alarm. Yeah. I think like unemployed people don't have to set an alarm, but I I, I I get what it's getting at. Like once you've crossed the sort of base levels of Maslow's hierarchy, if you then don't have to set an alarm, you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, is it Tony Robbins or someone's like doing what you want, when you want, with who you want is wealth or something like yeah. that. Um, but again, like if I want to fly a spaceship to mars with bill gates like i like i've got some way to go haven't i like i've got to really get 
get going in order to hit that if that's my definition of wealthy even though you can be like well i'm just doing what i want with who i want like what's so hard about that yeah so it all depends on like where you set the bar but the i think the way that you and i've always looked at it is like as you were saying before there's there's like the income side of it which yes is important there's the time side of it there's the location side of it and it's it's kind of those three things combined so like the interesting contrast that you have is that you've got to be in a certain part of the hospital with your finger up someone's bum to earn that money. And if you weren't doing that, I imagine, I don't know how the pay structure works, but I imagine you wouldn't be earning the money versus like you, when did you write the V taper manual? (laughs) It's going to be such, such a painful example. So like I can almost guarantee you that on the day that you had your finger up the person's bum, we sold at least one copy of the V-Taper manual. I think we sold a few. I remember seeing an email at like 4am, like sale of the V-Taper manual. <laughs> and you don't even know why. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the the power of like, you've allocated some time to creating a resource four years ago that has since generated like, I, mean, I don't, neither of us know the number, but quite a bit um, of you know, that's something that still, still creates income today. So like when you, when you look at income in those two ways, like one of them requires you to be somewhere at a certain time doing a certain thing. And the other one is just value exchange, which goes right back to the beginning of what we're saying about like, what is money doing? Why does it exist? Well, the, the value as well, like the, so that that was one person's poo that I took out of one person's (laughs) bum on one night. Whereas the V taper has added hundreds of inches to people's chests and loads of muscle to i wonder what the total like bench kilos added is from the v-taper if we added like total fat lost from faster fat loss and total bench kilos added from v-taper it would I'd be love to know weird flex wouldn't it It'd be great well there's some very lean people and some very strong people walking around because of some stuff that we did a, a quite a while ago so yeah i think the I kind of want to try and end this on with some something a bit practical, but it's hard, isn't it? We should go through the box A, box B test. Yeah. Something yeah. interactive. Can you remember it? I think we might have to leave that loop open for next week's episode. Okay. So that we can uh, so we can get it right because it's. I want to make it's sure important. It? Correct. It's interesting because that that question, I don't think. I don't think anyone's ever got it right that I've asked. I've had like the odd person who got it right, but you can tell that they're going to get it right because they're just... You see it. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, but we'll cover that another time. But I suppose in, more practically, I, I think, realise even just not being aware of this, like being aware of the fact that when you're pricing your service, you start thinking about it as like what you can what you think is right versus what is this worth to somebody, right? If, if somebody buys your program and gets an amazing result, is that worth the money? Yes, of course it is. Like, it doesn't matter whether you think it is or not. That's it's, it's the value exchange for the consumer. If you're having to invest in like hiring someone or employing someone or getting a coach or buying a program, but you know that that will save you hundreds or thousands of hours over the next couple of years 
is that worth it? Yeah, it probably is. And especially if you start to make the money back. So I think the, the generally we've seen like the people who make the best decisions with this stuff are able to detach the emotions from the number. And I think it's a skill that you don't really hear people discuss that often. Um, but is, I think is one of the things that separates people who, are, who do very well for a long period of time and those who struggle is getting clouded by like, that's a lot, or I can't afford it, or make it like being paralyzed by the, the fear or the panic that can come with big numbers. Very much with both spending and with receiving. Yeah. So check back next week for Johnny flying to Mars with Bill Gates and uh, the box A, box B scenario. I'm going to have to text him. He might, the worry is he just might not reply to me in time. And then if he does, it's the, the difficulty will be getting Elon to get us the rocket. The stuff in time, yeah. Yeah. So it might be it might be ten days, but okay, fine. We'll so maybe in, in a couple of couple of yeah. episodes, yeah. we'll we'll get there. <laughs> Sweet. Speak to you next time. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast, and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.